Hello, welcome to the Great Movie Podcast. I am Matt, sitting here with Brian. Hello. And uh, today, we're going to jump right into it. I think today we are going to talk about the movie Chinatown. Brian, did you see Chinatown? Have you, I mean, was, have you seen it before? This is my first time seeing this movie. Okay, me too. And like, I've known about it for years. And, and it's like you said, shocked I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Just don't even understand how I went this long. The movie came out in 1974. This movie is kind of problematic, I, I would say so, because it's directed by Roman Polanski. Yep. And for anybody listening who doesn't know who Roman Polanski is, he, uh, he was a director. He did Rosemary's Baby. Uh, he did a couple other big movies. Um, he was the husband of Sharon Tate, who was murdered the Manson family massacres in California. Mm-hmm. And after that, he had moved away to, like, he went to Europe somewhere, made two movies. Apparently, they weren't great. He eventually came back to Los Angeles and, to make this movie. And shortly afterwards, he actually, I don't even think he was accused. Like, I think it's confirmed and it's factual that he had sex with a 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And after that, he fled the country and he has not been. This was his very last movie that he made in the United States. Uh, he has not been back to the country ever since then. And he does not go to countries where he could be extradited. So he's kind of a creep. And it's like one of those things where, I don't know, he probably would have had a completely different career if he never if he never would have done that, because this was kind of considered like this is considered a great movie. Uh, I was reading there was one like big time uh, list that put this at its number two greatest movie of all time, which I think is a huge exaggeration. I was but, looking at the uh, the list also. I noticed that it was number two on AFI's top mystery films. Yeah, I saw that one too. There was a different yeah. one though that was like actual full blown like movies. Oh, was it? And it's like no, it's it's not that great. Um, but it does kind of make you wonder like what he. I think he really would have been considered one of the great directors because he's still making movies, and I think he probably would have became a big time Hollywood director if that never happened. And obviously, it's very weird how people act about him. Like there's still plenty of famous people who support him and work with him, even though, and it's not even like something you can question or doubt or just give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't do it. Like I'm pretty sure he he fled because he was being like he was charged with it. And obviously, you don't run away if you're innocent, you know, like that after you've been gone for however long. Yeah, probably not. I, that's just kind of something to add in about the movie that does kind of have that little backstory to it. But anyways, the movie stars Jack Nicholson who his character's name is Jake Giddis. It takes place in 1937. It's uh, basically a a neo-noir mystery film, which I want to say the whole reason, like what what got me to think, hey, I want to watch this right now, is we've been watching that new Perry Mason. Yeah. On HBO. And it just kind of, that's why I messaged you and was like, we should watch Chinatown. Because it really, I wanted more of Perry Mason and there's only two episodes out. Yeah, it doesn't Perry Mason also take place in 1937? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. If not yeah. that exact year, it's in that exact time. Right. Uh, which I am going to add, and maybe I'll talk about this more at the end, but I don't know what you thought about this, but this movie had a ton in common with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it's... I, I, from from what I gather from this movie, it's really it's a it's a love letter to all of the all of the de- detective noir films from like the 40s and 50s. Yeah, like with uh, Humphrey Bogart 
And yeah. uh, it, I, and I was reading some stuff, and it says that the the big difference between like between Jake and some of those other characters is that Jake is like genuinely a good guy. Whereas those other guys are kind of like anti-heroes, like they have this sort of like like dark part of them. But Jack Nicholson's character is actually he he has good intentions. He he honestly uh, feels that he's that what he does is good for mankind. He there's a there's a part of the movie where he's like he gets into a fight with this guy who's calling him out for being a piece of shit. Yeah, and he's like show. no, he's yeah, he's like no, you're the piece of shit, and he tells like he you know. So. Yeah, he's like, you're destroying families, or, or you're taking, like, yeah, you're, like, tearing families apart. Something, oh, no, no, he's, uh, like, you're throwing, you're making people lose their homes. Right, because he was a them out. Yeah, and he's like, how many of these houses do you take back and put these people out on the streets, and you're going to call me, you know, like a monster or whatever? Right, because so. Jake's, Jake's like, number one, the number one thing that he does is he gets, he's a private investigator, he gets hired by... Husbands and wives who think that their spouse is cheating on them. But, I mean, he's not the one destroying the family. The other spouse is the one that's destroying the family, you know? There's an interesting thing, though, like, early in the movie. So when the movie starts, you actually, like, you're kind of seeing him on one of these investigations. And it involves... I, I don't remember exactly. How does it involve the guy? It's Burt Young, who plays Polly in the Rocky movies. Yeah. Is uh, he doing it like something for him, like trying to find out if his wife's cheating on him? Yeah, his uh his character's name's Curly and he's the the movie just opens up with uh with Jake giving him the results of his investigation. Yeah, that's right. And yes. and yeah, Curly's wife has been cheating on him. So it really just introduces you to who Jake is and what he does. Yeah, and immediately after that, a woman comes in and asks jake to investigate her husband and i thought it was interesting how he just says you know why don't you just let it go Mm -hmm. and i I don't know i guess i didn't really understand what the difference was i think i think the the biggest the big difference between curly and this woman that comes in is curly he's he's clearly like this like like middle American, you know, like middle income earner American. He's struggling to make ends meet. But this woman comes in and she's clearly just rich beyond means. Mm-hmm. And I think Jake just sees her as like, you don't want to get rid of your husband. He's the one that's providing you with this lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I guess he's just implying like you you should be able to live with certain things. Yeah. If, you know, you're getting the better end of the deal out of it. Yeah. Okay. So, um. I guess we could say real quick, like, what did you think about the movie? Honestly, I loved it. Uh, oh. I, I cannot believe that I've never seen it. It's it's right up my alley because I've, I'm really into, like, these detective stories, mm-hmm. um, especially in, like, that time era. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I think it's, honestly, I think it's because um, my very first comic book ever was a reissue of Batman number one which was, okay. you know, 1930s, and he was a detective. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. And also, my dad used to watch, like, all these old shows when I was a kid, and I used mm-hmm. he used to make me watch them, and at the time, I hated it, but it really actually got me into them. So, it's just right up my alley. It's everything that I like. And I totally get that. Uh, there's just something so satisfying about watching, like, a nice investigation, as silly as that sounds, 
But it was like the Perry Mason when he was into the one house when he finds the the hidden letters and everything. Mm-hmm. He's got his flashlight. He's like in this dark house, and there, isn't there like a dead body in there? And he's just kind of working around it. And I, and I was just like, God, like I want to see more of this. And that's when I messaged you. It was just like I hope in the new Batman movie they have stuff like this, like actual detective work. Yeah. And so I was also in the mood to watch a detective story. And I do enjoy stories like told in this era because they're just so much more exciting. Like Indiana Jones, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That takes place in the 30s. And it's like now anymore, uh, you watch a story and it's just like like an action. I don't know. I feel like they don't even make adventure stories anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like technology now has gotten us to the point where it's really drained any kind of mystery. Like... You'll watch a story and those will be like, well, why don't they just do this that you could do in this day and age? Whereas back yeah. then, it was like, no, they had to, uh, you know, it was basically just had to rely on their wits. And yeah. they had to actually be intelligent. And they had to, like, they had to detect things. Um, because that really, that's what Indiana Jones is, too. He is, a like, on a bigger scale, a detective. Um, mm-hmm. But that's also, like, the stories with Lovecraft. And it is, it's a nice setting. But it's also, you know, with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Eddie Valiant. I always, I loved Eddie, uh, Eddie Valiant's character. And so that's why I was also interested in watching Chinatown just to see if there were any actual similarities. Because I had always heard people make comparisons to him, but I didn't really know what about what. Yeah. So that that was another reason why I was eager to watch this. Uh, And in the end, you know, I liked it. Uh, it. It didn't blow me away or anything, but... I'm happy I watched it. Uh, I noticed a few references that I've seen in other places that I did not know came from Chinatown, which was, I just absolutely love that, watching older films and being like, oh, okay, so that was, uh, uh, the scene in particular that I'm thinking of is is when he's slapping her and she's saying, my sister, my daughter, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I've seen that in multiple places, especially the number one that comes to my head is Adventure Brothers. And also... We'll talk about it when we get there. I did not see that ending coming. Yeah. Um, I was genuinely shocked at the outcome of the movie, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So uh, how about we just get into it? We'll start. Uh, we're, we're not going to really go, you know, the past couple episodes we've done, we've gone like just straight through the movie point by point. I'm worried that we're boring the listeners, though. There's another reason why if you are listening to this, give us feedback. Let us know how you feel about it. Uh, because I, I mean, I can see the stats. I know some people are listening. So just tell us so we can kind of make this more entertaining for you. So we're just going to go, we found a, a plot synopsis and Brian is going to go through and we'll just sort of pop in with some stuff that we want to say about the movie as he goes through it. All right. So, um, <laughs> as we said, it starts off with Jake talking to this guy named Curly, you know, it introduces that he's, uh, he investigates, cheating spouses um right after that uh this woman comes in uh claiming uh identifying herself as evelyn mulray um and she is asking jake to follow her husband who happens to be the chief engineer of the la department of water and power his name is hollis mulray you know jake she's coming off as extremely rich so he does his whole like you know just just live with it but she talks him into it. So he follows him. Uh, 
you know, he follows him all day long, watches where he's going. It's really not making a whole lot of sense what he's doing, you know, hanging out like in this dried up riverbed. And then he goes down to the beach and he's just hanging out on the beach. Um, but he's shooting photographs of him and, and it ends up that he does meet up with this young woman and he takes those photographs of them together. Um, had a kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do my Roger Rabbit impression. It's terrible. Daddy <laughs> Blank Jessica. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> anyway, the next day he's heading, he, he's back in his office, but the, and this woman comes in with a lawyer and she uh, tells him that they're filing a lawsuit against him uh, because this is, this is, he takes the pictures and I believe it's after they get published in the paper mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, saying that she's suing him because she never hired him to follow her husband. This is a completely different woman who is now saying that she is, in fact, Evelyn Mulray. And she is played by Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway, yep. So, realizing that he had been set up for some odd reason, Jake continues to uh, follow Hollis because he he realizes that there's something... There's something fishy about being hired by this woman who was not even, you know, his, his wife. So he uh, is up, you know, following leads and finds out uh, that uh, Hollis has has uh, washed up dead down at this this reservoir where they, bum, you know, bum, bum. yeah. So let's see. <laughs> trying to follow this. Uh, I know that there's, there's Wikipedia a, plot line. Yeah, there's a, and you know what's funny is that this movie I didn't I forgot I didn't notice how long it was, but there's so much that happens in it, and I feel like it's not as long as say Seven Samurai was, but Seven Samurai was not difficult to go through and talk about like piece by piece. This movie I watched it. I and I still had to go on Wikipedia and kind of read up like what exactly was happening and even then I was getting lost mm-hmm. in the because there's just so much stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean that I think that that's that's one reason why I really really appreciate this movie is because it well it's actually 2 hours and 11 minutes long. Um wow. and there's just there's not a wasted second. Every Every scene of this film, every piece of dialogue, it's all very important. Mm-hmm. And it, um, really, all of that hinges, too, on Jack Nicholson, because he is he's in every single scene of this movie. Everything is done from his perspective. Like, there's no scene where it cuts away and you see two yeah. completely unrelated characters. Every moment is from his perspective. And I actually read that the original script had narration by Jake. But then Roman Polanski went and he had it all cut out because oh, he wow. didn't he didn't like it. Huh. I wonder wonder how that would have been. Be cool if there was know. like a another cut of the film where you could watch it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with, like like they did with Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> um. So jumping back into where we were, um, Hollis Mulray has been found dead uh, in this at the reservoir. Um, Jake investigates the uh, sus- the suspicious death of Hollis because, you know, I was just hired to, to follow this guy and now the next day he's dead. You know, this is yeah. really odd. He notices that huge quantities of water are being dumped out of the city through this reservoir every night, which is very odd because it's the middle of summer and they keep like all over the news. They're talking about how L.A. is in the middle of this terrible drought. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so why are they dumping water in a drought? You know, it makes no sense at all. Which, from what I read, too, a lot of this is actually based on a factual story. Yes. Uh, like, there was actual, like, water wars in California in the 1920s. Yes, there was a there was a huge, uh, I don't know, I guess it was a conspiracy by the people that were in charge of the water department, like, diverting water and stuff for real estate investments because they were going to, like, make this this huge re- this huge new dam like you know lakefront properties and whatnot anyway jake goes back to investigate and at night and he gets stopped by the water department security chief who i believe if i'm not mistaken he used to be a cop right because they had like a little quarrel i believe at, so at the water department they yeah, had so- worked in chinatown together yeah, and so that's part of like what Chinatown is, and I don't remember when exactly. Maybe you do when they like explain that Jake had something. Jake was a cop. He worked in Chinatown. Something horrible happened there, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't want to go back. Like he just he stopped being a cop. He doesn't ever want to go back there again. So that plays into the story. I don't remember when that's revealed. Yeah, I think it. Uh... I think it's revealed before this scene when he's at okay. the water department pretending to be somebody else because he's like looking for information. Yeah. Um, and that's oh, when yeah, he runs, because into, he runs this, into a guy and he he's runs like, into his old partner or something. Yeah. And, and he's like, how'd you get in here? And he's like, I lied. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, yeah, I, well, I work for them now. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Because he just realizes then, like, he's screwed. So while he's investigating at night at this reservoir, this guy, this his old, like, partner or whoever stops him along with this, like, this henchman guy. You know, he's like, de- you could definitely tell he's a bad guy. And by the way, now, he's played by Roman Polanski. There you go. Okay. <laughs> See, Brian, you're stealing my thunder. Damn it. <laughs> But I will say, Roman Polanski usually had really long hair, and I guess he had to have it cut off for this one this one character, this one scene. <laughs> he was not happy about it. Which I don't understand why he had to. He directed the fucking movie. Like, why did you have to uh, cut it off? <laughs> Which he's also, uh, if anybody's listening to this, if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Roman Polanski, his character is actually in it. Like, they show him. He's a tiny little guy. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I thought it was actually kind of funny that he's playing this henchman. But I guess, you know, that that's not uncommon for, like, this little this little tiny person to play this, like, scrappy, like, oh, yeah. beat-em-up type person. Somebody that you, you, you wouldn't want to mess with, even though they don't look intimidating at all. Well, yeah, that's that uh, the old joke from The Simpsons when there's, like, the, the war between the mafia and the... I don't remember if it's the triads or the Yakuza. And Homer's like, but but Marge, the little guy hasn't done anything yet. And then he walks in the house and then he just hears like, yay! And, and all these like punches landing and he's like, oh. Because he knows the little guy just beat the shit out of everybody. So Roman Polanski's character, they, they grab him up and he actually sticks his knife inside of Jake's nose and tells him to like beat it, you know, don't ever come back here again. And then slices his nose, like, Mm -hmm. bad. You know, like, he's going to have a scar for the rest of his life because of this cut. It's terrible. (laughs) It reminds (laughs) me of uh, the scene in Pan's Labyrinth when she does that to the captain, but she does it to his mouth. Yeah. It's it's kind of the same exact idea if you've seen that, but they don't show it. (laughs) Yes. The next day, or that night or something, Jake's back at his office, and he receives a call from this lady identifying herself as Ida Sessions and says that she is the one 
who was pretending to be Evelyn Mulray, um, and that she's afraid to tell him what, like, you know, who who hired her to do this, but she gives him a clue but and tells him to check the day's obituaries. See, that's another reason why the 30s were so great, because no one was straightforward with anything. There were always clues. Yes. Everybody had to be very coy and mysterious with things. It, it was uh, just a far more exciting time back then. It was. Like, if you think about it today, like, if you were out investigating, you'd be taking pictures on your phone and you'd be sending them to your, you know, your office and making phone calls right on the spot. But back then, they had to gather the evidence. They had to gather everything up. Yeah. They had to go to a phone booth to make a phone call. Absolutely. <laughs> Cigarettes were smoked nonstop. It was it was the prime they, cigarette smoking time. It was before they were dangerous. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were actually healthy back then. <laughs> if you didn't smoke people were like what's wrong with you why wouldn't you smoke that's right <laughs> <laughs> and people were just made differently then so everybody looked cool because as soon as you smoke you look cool this is actually i apologize everybody we've actually been bought out by uh marlboro <laughs> and so we're we're Every movie we show from now on, or we talk about from now on, is going to have heavy smoking scenes, and we are definitely pushing the smoking agenda, so I apologize. Much safer than vaping. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't know about that, but you definitely look a lot cooler smoking a cigarette than you do vaping. Anyways, fake Evelyn. Just dropping hints. Yes. Jay continues to investigate everything that's going on. And I don't I don't know if we've gotten to this scene yet, but I feel like if we haven't, we should mention it. He visits the morgue. And he's good friends with the, the guy at the morgue because he's always, you know, looking at dead bodies and trying to figure out what happened to him. Well, when you're a private investigator, you gotta make friends in weird places. Yes. Um and the guy tells him that uh, that he drowned. He's like, how did he drown? Because there's no water in the river that would have washed him up to the reservoir. So that that's kind of an, like an important thing that comes in later. But anyway, he finds out uh, that Evelyn's father is this wealthy man named Noah Cross. And he used to be the partner of Hollis Mulray. They ran the water company together. And, and it... Th- this is very different from today because today like all the utilities are owned by like the towns and the counties and stuff but back then the water company was privately owned you know it was like a it was a huge monopoly on the water but anyway mm-hmm. he goes to lunch at this uh private club and with Noah Cross and Cross warns Jake that he doesn't understand uh like the the powers that be in all of this you know he basically tells him to back off and he offers jake twice the amount of money to find hollis mulray's missing mistress the woman that he was caught in the photographs making you know playing patty cake with yes playing patty cake um and it's kind of funny because up to this point you don't think that 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 was important at all it was Mm -hmm. just a woman um, but now this guy is offering him twice the amount of money to go find this woman. So Jake goes to the like the county records place and discovers that much of the uh, Northwest Valley of LA County has recently changed ownership. All this op- this empty land, you know, thousands and thousands of acres. And he goes to uh, this this farm and he's attacked by this uh, this farm owner guy and his his farm hands 
Um, uh, who, did you see who plays the the like lead farm guy? You know, he looked familiar, but I didn't check to see who he was. Uh, I don't remember his first name, but it's Ron Howard's dad. Oh, okay, Rance. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I knew he looked familiar. Well, there's also a couple other. Uh, the guy who plays Noah Cross is John Houston, who yeah. like he was a famous actor back in the day. He's Angelica Houston's dad. He's also he also directed a ton of movies from the 40s yeah. and 50s. Yeah. That were like this. Um, yeah, he was actually they had asked him to direct this, but he passed on it, and then he ended up becoming the main star in it, or not the main star, but uh, an important character important role yes but yeah and i guess at the time that this was filming jack nicholson and angelica houston were actually dating which i just thought was kind of interesting also fun fact this movie takes place in 1937 jack nicholson was born in 1937 that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) what this this came out what 74 you said uh yes okay so jack was only what 31 years old no 37 36 okay 37 ah he's the same age as us man that's crazy uh i'm not quite not quite almost almost (laughs) anyway he gets attacked by these farmers uh because they think that he's an agent from the water department attempting attempting to force them out because apparently that's been happening a lot of shitty business going on yeah (laughs) And of course, you know he lets lets them know that that's not who he is. Yeah, which um, this is a classic trope when it comes to these types of uh, noir mystery movies. When it's like you have just this average guy, the private investigator, and he gets wrapped up into something that is so much bigger than what he originally was supposed to be in. Like yeah. you know, at first he was just taking pictures of this guy, he's paid to do it, and now he's involved in this huge like land grab scheme and potential murders and, and and you know i'm trying to think of movies that people who listen to this might have seen which is also another reason why i reference roger rabbit because it really you get down to it the plot is almost exactly the same but then you have something like the big lebowski which is also another version of that when you just have this average guy who gets wrapped up in this huge conspiracy and mystery that he's got to try to solve yeah so Jake realizes now that the uh, he's putting everything together. By the way, towards the beginning of the film, there is a scene where um, it's like a town hall meeting about the water crisis, and mm-hmm. I think Rance Howard is in that scene too, making a, a you know fuss about how they're not getting the water they're supposed to be getting. But Hollis gets up on stage and says that he is not making another dam because. The last time they did that, there was a tragedy that happened, and he's not going to make the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. Which and then, is of course, actually, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and of course, the next day or the next couple days, he ends up dead. Yeah, um, but uh, that is actually also based off of an actual thing that happened, where a, a dam or a reservoir was built, uh, and it was done really. It was like by a guy who had no business designing it. Mm-hmm. And it actually ended up killing like 450 people in California, and was one of the like biggest disasters that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was based off of an actual event. Okay, that's good to know, because I think he even says uh, the the last time 500 people died because of their yeah. their carelessness or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
So Jake realizes that the water department is clearly drying up the land on purpose and then selling off this land at a reduced price. And all these, you know, they're obviously there's some kind of conspiracy scam going on. Um, and that Mulray was murdered when he figured all this out on his mm-hmm. on his own. And he discovers by by looking at the records that all of the people that are buying up this land all live in this retirement home. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all elderly people who don't even you know understand that they could purchase something like that. So he goes to the the nursing home to to, to literally talk to one of the people, this old lady whose name is on one of the deeds to, to basically assure himself that they don't, they have no idea what's going on because she Mm -hmm. clearly is not aware. Is Um, this when they, does he find out before or after that, that one of the names is actually of a deceased person? uh, That would have, I think that was like the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right right at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. The the person had died recently within the last couple months, but the, the land was sold after their death. Yeah, it's all um, clearly just bullshit. Yeah. So they, they actually hit Jake and Evelyn both. They kind of lie their way into the retirement home, saying that they're interested about uh, letting in their dad. And he he's really smart because he asks the uh, the guy the the guy in charge at the at the nighttime or whatever if they allow Jews. And the guy says, no, I'm sorry, we don't. And Jake's, Jake immediately has a response to that, like, well, good, because that's why I asked you. My father would never live in a place that allowed <laughs> Jews. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then he Not says, that we're you know, laughing at the, the hatred of Jews. No, but at it, his... <laughs> laughing at his cunningness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he, he, he tests him again. He says, would I be able to see uh, your your uh, records or whatever and the guy says of course not and he's like good because i wouldn't put my dad anywhere that allowed that to happen. <laughs> yeah this movie actually has quite a few uh amusing moments in it there's a part earlier in the movie uh right before he meets the real evelyn mulray it, it, he, when he's at the barbershop and he fights with that guy uh another guy's telling a story about like how to fuck like a chinaman or something like that yeah. And so he's telling that story to his like associates that he has in the uh, in his his agency. And as he's telling them and he's just laughing like an idiot at the story, she is standing behind him the whole time. And it's just a really inappropriate joke. <laughs> uh, but it was kind of funny because Jack Nicholson himself is pretty funny. So, yeah, you know, I don't remember what the joke was, but I remember I didn't get it. <laughs> It was about, yeah, I don't remember. It was like, you take, you have to take breaks <laughs> while you're making love. And then in the end, she says, you're screwing me like a Chinaman. Which I think the joke is that she knows what it's like to be screwed like a Chinaman. <laughs> like, he's, like, the her husband is told by a Chinese guy how, what, how you're supposed to make love to a woman. And so he does it, uh, and I think the joke is that okay. that guy was clearly banging his wife. I get it now. <laughs> yes. I I was like, apparently Chinamen take a bunch of breaks while they're. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. What's this racist shit? <laughs> <laughs> like what a weird thing. Like what if that was a thing that was like you know I hear those uh those Chinese they can only fuck for so long. And then they got to take a break. Bet you didn't know that. 
we were talking the other day. Uh, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, when you were here, we were talking about the uh, weird racist names. Yes. But yeah, that, that should have been in there. I'm going to go in and edit the Wikipedia. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to call them like slow fuckers or something like that. <laughs> Intermittent fuckers. <laughs> so while they're in the nursing home, uh, all these all these people show up um, and basically, you know, they, they take them out there. I, I guess they were going to kill Jake. Um, because they barely get away. They're shooting at the car as they're driving away. Jake does Um, beat the fuck out of a couple of them, though, which is really surprising because in most of these detective stories, like, the detective always just get their asses kicked because they're not usually these, like, badasses. They're more... They're there because they're sneaky and smart. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised when he just, like, hauls off and beats the shit out of a bunch of them and they get away. Sorry, so, I keep interrupting you. With no, my... that's that's okay. It's it's better that way because I'm trying to, like, keep up with this little summary here. Mm-hmm. Um, after after Jake and Evelyn get away, they go back to Evelyn's house. Then They end up sleeping together. It's very, oh, yeah. It's very, very romantic. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's, not, it's very very uh tasteful uh uh, during uh, during the night evelyn ends up getting a phone call and leaves suddenly um and warns jake that her father is very dangerous i think he he follows her or something and he sees uh the the woman that uh that her husband was making out with is in her house or in her other house or something yeah. And he questions her about it and she says, you know, my my father's a very dangerous man, blah blah blah. And he accuses her of of holding this woman against her will. And is that where the slapping scene starts? No, not yet. Yeah, okay, but, but okay. I think I think she does tell him that uh the girl's name is Catherine and it's her sister. Yeah. And she okay. she's not against her will, she's just unhappy or something right. like he, that. He he accuses her of being against her will and she's like, No, she's she's not tied up or anything. Um she's hiding out or something. My yeah. from my distraught. father. The next day, Jake gets this anonymous call to go to Ida Sessions apartment. That's the woman who was pretending to be Evelyn. And he finds her murdered in on her kitchen floor and uh Escobar, he's like the like the police chief or something, isn't he? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Maybe not the chief, but he's eh, he might be he's high like he's a, a higher up. Yeah, like a captain or something. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of like waiting for Jake to arrive there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells Escobar tells him that the coroner's report found salt water in Mulray's lungs, indicating that he did not drown in a fresh in the freshwater reserve and escobar suspects that evelyn is responsible for the murder uh and tells jake to bring her to him so (laughs) by the way this is something else that was skipped earlier in the film when he goes to meet evelyn at her home there's this uh this china man who's uh her, her gardener and yeah. he's, he's he, there's like this little like like pond like you know in her in her yes. in her backyard and he's he's messing with the grass around the pond and he says it's bad for the glass 
and Jake's just like, yeah, it's very bad for the glass. Like he doesn't understand. He he he's just like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure, whatever you say. That's and that's another very important. Oh, well, me. because Jake also happens to see something in the pond. Yes. Like something like glinting in the sun, but he's yeah. busy. He doesn't like look at it. Right. So he goes back to Evelyn's mansion to to go find her. Um, and she's packing up her, her servants are packing up her things. And he realizes that her uh, that little pond in her backyard, that the guy says it again, that's bad for the glass or whatever. And mm-hmm. he that's when he realizes it's bad for the grass. He, mm-hmm. re- he figures out that that pond is salt water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he looks in it again to see what that was. Um, and they fish it out. It's a pair of bifocals. Um, so he can, conf- he, he's like, Oh, now I get it. Evelyn drowned her husband in the backyard pond. Yeah. Um, and he dropped his glasses and I got you, you know? So he confronts her about it. Um, this is where the slap happened. Yes. This is where it happens. He confronts Evelyn about, about everything. And he says, tell me the truth. Who's Catherine? <laughs> and she's like, she's my daughter and he slaps her and then she says she's my sister and he slaps her again <laughs> it's a very famous scene i mean <laughs> i've seen it parried parodied many different places <laughs> but, but it, like, is, it is kind of amusing because he's just like my mother my sister my tell father. me the truth. <laughs> yeah this this uh, this scene was definitely in like uh like airplane or the, uh like the naked gun or something yeah, probably. Because it was exactly like that, but it changed every time. Mm-hmm. My brother, my father. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, she's my sister and my daughter. And yeah. she says, my father raped me when I was 15 years old. And then at that moment right there, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, because one, I did not expect that, like that twist to come out of nowhere. But then I was just like, dude, they're parodying a scene where this woman is admitting that her, her daughter... And her sister the same person because she's like a product of incest. I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> and yeah. then, like so many people parodied that scene. Uh, and then he's like, well, what about these bifocals? And she's like, well, those aren't my husband's because he didn't wear bifocals. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, Jake arranges for the the Evelyn and Catherine to flee to Mexico. Which because, he he does this by going back to Curly, which I was happy yeah. to see him pop back up. And he's like, "Oh, Curly, how much money do I owe you?" And he's like, "Um, uh, you know, he thinks that he's trying to get money out of him." But he's like, "No, how about you just pay it all off? I just need a ride." And he like convinces him to, uh, yeah, to uh, like help him get the girls out of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know it's clear that the. The Noah Cross, her father, yes. is this bad, bad guy. Yeah. Um, so he uh, instructs Evelyn to meet him uh, at her butler's home in Chinatown. Um, Which is where he does not want to go. Yeah. So he summons uh, Noah Cross to the Mulray home to settle their deal. Uh, Cross admits his intention to annex the Northwest Valley into the city of Los Angeles for the whole land uh, water scheme or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, j- just to clear it up, what they're what they're doing is that they are draining the water so that the farmers can't get it. 
so that they can lower the cost of the farmer's land, buy it for cheap. Then they can have the water come back in. They can expand, make money off of it. uh, And they want to add it all to make Los Angeles bigger. And there's actually a a nice quote in this area here. Jake says, how much better? Because he's he's asking him, like, why he needs all this stuff. And he says, how much better can you eat? What can you buy that you can't already afford? And Cross says, the future, Mr. Gitz, the future. Because he doesn't call him by the right last name. But it also made me think, I think we've had the discussion about, what's his name? Jeff Bezos. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? What do you need it for? What is your plan? Mm -hmm. And it would make a lot more sense if he was just like, I'm going to create the future and like actually had something in there. So at least there would kind of be like a, uh, a method to why people want to get all this power and money and everything. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a little sinister, obviously there's sinister reasons behind all of it, but it just made me think of Jeff Bezos when he, that when he said that line in our conversation that we've had about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's funny because like you read these conspiracy theories and everybody laughs at them and says, oh, you know, that wouldn't be something that would happen. Like with people ending up dead and whatnot. And it's like that that would absolutely happen. People will kill people so that they can make another billion dollars. Like, of course. Oh, they absolutely. It, it has <laughs> happened. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just a, a fact of life. People will do what they need to do. In order to get richer. I, I mean, really, if you want to look at it on a grander scheme, what do you think all these wars are about that our country is in? Because yeah. our fucking economy runs on the war. <laughs> uh, and the, the more war there is, the more money people are making. And they'll send everybody they can off to die in the fucking desert as long as they're making a buck out of it. So, really, for them, it's just a legal way to become rich. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's actually a sequel to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't do nearly as well, but it was actually directed by Jack Nicholson. It's called yeah. Two Jakes, and it's all about. It's also, I believe, set in Los Angeles, but it's all about oil instead yep. of water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which I guess I, there was I, supposed to be a third one too. There was supposed to be like a trilogy, but the second one did so bad yeah. they didn't. Uh, and it was actually like rumored that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was actually the third sequel, but it was just repurposed into Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But that's been debunked because I guess uh, Roger Rabbit came out like two years before the two Jakes did. So, hey, well, maybe someday we will get that third movie and it'll have to be like Leonardo DiCaprio or Christian Slater playing Jake. Oh, no, no. They're going to get the dude who played Elliot in E.T., to oh, play yeah. him. <laughs> because you know when and they'll I think only Jack... they'll only show him from the side yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> and in case you're wondering that is a reference to uh dr sleep um <laughs> where they had what's his name tom uh, uh henry thomas uh, henry thomas yep henry thomas who played elliot in et he actually plays jack uh jack nicholson's character from the shining and it's very distracting <laughs> Uh, and he is not, he's nothing like Jack Nicholson. So I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, that, that's definitely the the low point of that movie. Because I did enjoy that movie. Uh, you, you know what? We're going to do another podcast and we'll talk about it. Because I got a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, so, let's, so. Yeah, let's wrap up. Let's this finish point. this up. And then we'll spend another hour talking about Dr. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, he's they're sent to the 
uh, Butler's home in Chinatown, mm. and he calls Cross to the Mulray home to like settle their whole deal. And Cross admits his intentions to, uh, you know, his all of his plans that he wants to do because that's what the main villain has to do. They have to reveal all of their evil intentions to the hero. And then that way it can come back and backfire on them and then they can get their punishment and, and justice is served, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but really it was, this is what I'm doing and what are you going to do about it? Absolutely yes. nothing. Yeah. Uh, because I'm way more powerful than you are. So they all end up in Chinatown at this at the butler's house. Yeah, and um, they take... Like, uh, his henchmen, like, take the bifocals. So so the whole bifocals play into it. He realizes that it's actually Noah crosses, and he gives him, like, a paper to read. And he's like, oh, you can read that, right? And he's just like, uh, yeah, sure. And um, Jake realizes that he can't, and he pulls the bifocals out, and that's when he kind of realizes they were his. So he, that's how he realizes uh, Cross is the one who killed Hollis. Yeah, so they didn't fall off Hollis's head. They fell off Noah's head. Yes. Um, and uh, then they all end up at the butler's house in Chinatown. Um, and the police are already there to detain Jake because obviously they're, you know, being paid to be a part of this, too. Yes. Um, and Cross, Catherine is in the, the car waiting for them. Yeah. And, and Noah, you know, is reaching out to Catherine saying, come with me. You're, you know, I'm your father. Come with me. Well, yeah. And he actually stops Evelyn before that. And it's just like, well, she's mine too. You can't keep her away from me forever. Yeah. And she's just like, yes, again, because her whole, she does not want him to be around her because he's just such an evil man. Right. And he's going to, you know, if he's capable, he's going to end up impregnating her and it's going to be exactly. the same story all over again. Yeah. Evelyn ends up shooting him, but it only catches him in the arm. He's fine. Uh, and she jumps in the car with Catherine and drives away, and the police open fire they on just the car. Yeah, and Jake and tries to stop him. He actually stops one of them, and then another dude next to him, he just starts shooting too. Yeah, and uh, it's not a happy ending. Evelyn <sighs> catches a bullet in the back of the head. Yeah, you, you just see like the car's driving away, and it's like heading towards the distance, and they're shooting and shooting, and then all of a sudden you just hear the horn going off. Mm-hmm. And the car just slowly comes to a stop, and like you can kind of just barely see the end of it, like almost like they just almost got away. And then you hear Catherine screaming, yeah. And, and it's just kind of like, 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 and as soon as I heard the horn, I was, I, I was sitting here like by myself watching the movie, and I was just like, no fucking way, because I did not see that coming at all. And they go up there, and and Catherine's leaning over the steering uh steering wheel dead evelyn is or yeah evelyn um yeah Catherine's Catherine's screaming her mom her sister is yeah. dead uh and you know Catherine, i i believe if i'm remembering correctly Catherine ends up being taken out of the car and by put noah in, and he but, comes yeah. up behind her and he puts his arm around her and he's consoling her and, oh, it's a tragedy and this and that. And he pulls her out and she basically just gets taken away with yeah. Noah. And uh, the police ordered Jake to be released because, you know, what's he going to do now? It's over with. Yeah. Um, and then one of Jake's associates from his P- PI agency says, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. 
Yep. Um, and it just, and that is, and that's you know, the end. one of the most famous lines ever spoken in film. And the, the whole meaning is that it's Chinatown. Nothing good happens there because he never wanted to go back because of something terrible that happened there before. And he went there this time and something terrible happened again. Yep. Uh, it's a very bleak and sad ending. Uh, the bad guy gets away with everything. Uh, the the girl who's just trying to save her sister slash daughter, like this victim of rape and incest, she's murdered by the police. It's a horrible you know, ending. It's kind of ironic that uh, this movie ends with this rich and powerful, you know, creep pedophile guy getting yeah. away with it in the end. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by Polanski, <laughs> who, <laughs> who is a rich and powerful man who got away with it. <laughs> you are correct. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Like the. Jeez, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Oh, man. So yeah, just like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> oh jeez. So. Yeah, like this, it was a very impactful ending, and it really kind of made the movie for me. Like, after everything happened, and I want to go back, I want to watch it again. That's the problem with, like, when we when we do these episodes, especially for the movies that we've never seen. Like, I feel like I should watch them multiple times before we record an episode, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely one I want to go back and see, though. I, uh, even though I it doesn't have, like, nearly as good reviews, I think I'm going to watch the sequel I uh, I was thinking about the same thing, doing the same thing. I just want to see more of Jake. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I want to talk real quick about some more the the similarities between this and Roger Rabbit. Do you mind? Oh, go at it. <laughs> so number one, right off the bat, you got the setting, the same exact time period. Number two, the score. I don't know if you noticed, but ev- all of the music in this movie. And this came first, so I, I know it was Roger Rabbit imitating this, but the music is exactly the same. Uh, and, and that's, I grew up watching Roger Rabbit, so, you know, it's pretty much just drilled into my head what it sounds like. Mm. Um, so then you have the whole Jake taking pictures that kind of kick off the whole storyline, which is what Eddie was doing. He was taking pictures of uh, Marvin Acme. Uh, who was playing patty cake with Jessica Rabbit. And then you have Evelyn slash Jessica, who first confront the heroes, the detectives, and, like, give them shit. But then later on, they hire them to actually help them find their missing people, whereas Jessica, she wants help finding Roger, and Evelyn wants... I think she just wants help finding out what happened or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Um, you have the whole Eddie Valiant, uh, he has that horrible, like, thing that happened to Toontown when his brother is killed, and so he never wants to go back to Toontown. Jake has something horrible. They never say what happened when he was in Chinatown. They just say he was a cop when it happened, and he tried to help somebody, and he ended up hurting them. Like, that's his only backstory that he gives for why he doesn't want to go there. I assume that his brother was killed by a piano. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's actually what the next movie a tale of two jakes is it's his <laughs> other brother coming back and getting yeah um and then the climax of the movie ends up in the same place where they did not want to go so for eddie it takes place in toontown and jake it takes place in chinatown 
there like smaller scenes. There's the one when he uh, gets confronted by the dude who cut up his nose, like because he's caught trying to investigate. And then and Roger Rabbit, Eddie is investigating like something and he's caught by like the big gorilla bouncer that throws him out on his ass. <laughs> Let's see here. Disappearing, reappearing evidence, which is like evidence that's earlier in the movie goes away and then it comes back later. So the bifocals, which don't disappear, but they are introduced early and then completely glossed over until the very end of the movie. Yeah. And then Marvin Acme's will, which is, you know, has the disappearing, reappearing ink. Mm-hmm. Jake sneaks into a crime scene and he that's when he goes in, he lies about who he is and he runs into the old guy who he was the police, the um, Escobar. Like he runs into him and then Eddie kind of has the same exact thing where he's called and, and brought in to investigate uh, Marvin Acme's crime scene. And then the whole idea about the land grab. So Cross wants to buy up all this land and expand, which is exactly what Judge Doom wants to do, too. He's buying up all of the uh, the railroad cars and everything. And I don't remember how exactly it works, but his whole goal is to eventually destroy Toontown so he can put a, a uh, like a highway through it. Mm-hmm. So it's all about land. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's really kind of like... I know you could just say, oh, well, could just be coincidences. It's enough that I feel like when they wrote Roger Rabbit, like they did it specifically like kind of using Chinatown as a basis. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I I didn't notice any of that, but of course you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, if I hadn't read before, like I've seen people mention, like say that Roger Rabbit was kind of related to Chinatown somehow, I never would have thought of it. But then when I was watching it, I was like, okay, all right, like seeing all these things. And then when I looked it up, I saw even more that I hadn't noticed Mm. while I was watching it. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I did want to uh, just mention this movie. It did receive, uh, in 1975 at the Academy Awards, it received uh, Best Original Screenplay, Mm -hmm. um, and that would have been for Robert Towne. Um, And also at the Golden Globes, it won Best Motion Picture and Drama. Uh, Jack Nicholson won Best Actor Actor in a Motion Picture of Drama. Mm -hmm. Um, And Roman Polanski won Best Director. And then then again, Robert Towne won Best Screenplay. In the uh, AFI Top 100 Films, it's ranked number 19, according to their 1998 version. And 21 in their 2007 version. And then we already mentioned number two on AFI's top mystery films of all time, which I didn't check to see what number one was, but I'll be watching that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say he was also, it was also produced by Robert Evans, which when I hear that name, I think of, I don't know if you've heard it, but Pat Oswalt's whole like bit about Robert Evans, the producer which, if you've never heard it, you should definitely go check it out, because it's pretty great. But he was a producer on Godfather 1 and 2, Marathon Man, like, all these, like, big-time movies. Rosemary's Baby, True Grit, just tons of, like, classic movies. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of like a... There was a lot of factors that went into this movie uh, that made it as great as it was yeah and uh i think this is probably one of jack nicholson's like earlier movies too i'm sure he had done it. i think he did one flew with the cuckoo's nest before this i don't know if that was that might have been after this but jack nicholson had been he, he you know he was he was in easy a lot rider, of stuff easy rider was kind of like the first movie he did where people really 
noticed him and recognized him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to look up real quick. So let's see. He, he did Easy Rider in 69, and it doesn't uh-huh. look like he really did anything notable before that. Like, he was in movies, but nothing like we've ever heard about. Well, he was in uh, a little shop of horrors. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't think that's considered a good movie. Like, I don't hear people talk. I, I just think that's, like, a fun fact that Jack Nicholson was in the original Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But, yeah, then it looks like, and I don't know because I just might not be familiar, but it looks like this was his next big movie, Chinatown. He actually didn't do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That didn't come out until the next year, which is surprising. For some reason, I would have just assumed that that was before Chinatown. I don't know. I thought I honestly I just thought that by the time he did Chinatown, he was like a set actor. You know what I mean? Like a like like he was a movie star. I thought, and he really yeah. wasn't. Yeah, so this, was, this must have been other than Easy Rider. This was another one yeah. of his big breaks through Hollywood. Yeah. And Easy Rider really was like he had a supporting role in that. Like he he was good in it, and I think that's what got people to notice him. But that that he wasn't the star of that. Right. And that so, was uh that was what Peter Fonda and uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper, yeah, and yeah. J- and Jack Nicholson's character just kind of shows up like at one point, but it's only for you know, a f- yeah, a few minutes. Just yeah, just for a couple of scenes. Have you seen Easy Rider? A uh, long time ago. Okay, all right. Which which watch that at some point? Cause it's been a long time since I've seen it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you know, out of the movies that I recognized after One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he did uh, The Shining. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. Like, I like Jack Nicholson and what I see him in, but I I probably have only seen about 5 to 10% of the movies he's actually made. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, I go through and I look at these movies, uh, and I'm just like, well, what the hell are those? Like, some of them, a lot of them I've heard heard of. Like, after The Shining, almost all the movies I've heard of, but not really seen. But before that, I have not seen very many of them. I'll have to check it out. I feel like <sighs> I've, seen, I've seen a lot of Jack Nicholson movies. yeah. He's a he's an interesting guy. This is why I gotta say this is one of the roles that I actually watched and like took him seriously in. Mm. Uh, because I think after a certain point, Jack Nicholson kind of, and it was early in his career that he kind of becomes a parody of himself. Yeah. Uh, and, and like one flew over the Coo- one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which I really like. And then now in this movie, like I actually really like his character, and I I feel like he's actually playing a character. Whereas mm-hmm. in, after that, like by the time The Shining comes around, he's just playing crazy Jack Nicholson, in my yeah. my opinion. Uh, so that's another interesting thing about this movie and like why I enjoyed it more because he's acting. Right. Yeah, he definitely he definitely becomes the stereotype of this like low temp like you know hot tempered, mm-hmm. gonna go crazy on you type person. Yeah. Um, and I think. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like I read not too long ago that he was supposed to be in a movie within the last couple of years, and they ended up firing him off of it because he couldn't remember any of his lines. Like, he's uh, just... You're, we're probably not going to see him anymore. Probably not. That's sad, but, like, the same thing happened with Marlon Brando, yeah, uh, who was considered, you know, just a great actor. Uh, and I'm sure... I was reading about how he was kind of a pain in the ass on the set of even this movie, like that early in his career, like he would put the production on hold because he wanted to watch basketball mm-hmm. and he had his own little portable TV. And eventually Roman Polanski just destroyed the TV because he was so tired of the production being held up by him. 
He is a huge basketball fan. Yes, he, he is. Attends, he attends like every L.A. Lakers game. Yeah. He still does. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, it's sad that he doesn't act anymore, but it's also, you know, he was good in The Departed, and I want to say The Departed was like the last movie that he actually made. And really, I, I, there are people who have went out on worse terms, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, he's good in that, too, like, He's playing Jack Nicholson, but it's like the character is Jack Nicholson, so it's not as bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that he didn't like take the same route as a lot of these other older actors, like that, Robert De Niro or yeah. Al Pacino, like these Sylvester classic actors. Stallone, all these guys, they're yeah. just they're just doing anything for money, yes. and it's like you're you're destroying your name. <laughs> yeah, there are not a lot of actors anymore who. Really stick to their guns and really just true. Uh, you know, like he's not that old, but Christian Bale, like he's a. You're never gonna see him making like a stupid fucking comedy with Adam Sandler. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there's very few actors anymore who want to be respectable, and it mm. really is just <clears throat> let's just make some money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I'm not in that position. Maybe I would do the same thing, but it is sad when you see these guys who have just made the greatest movies ever and they just they resort to trash for a yeah. paycheck. Well, I mean it, it all comes down to the way they live, I think. Like I'm I've sure. heard I've heard Nicolas Cage the yep. reason he, the reason he does everything he can get his hands on is because he is so badly in debt. Yeah, because he uh, bought like two castles and like the first issue of Superman and like just he's horrible with money. And then there's other actors, though, like Christopher Walken, who I read, he just accepts anything that's put in front of him because he likes to act like he just wants to do whatever. Yeah. And I guess that's fine. But it's also like, dude, you're Christopher Walken. Like, <laughs> don't you want to have that legacy that I don't know, maybe these guys just don't care. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fucking weirdos. <laughs> but, all right. Well, hey, man, I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think next week, what were you thinking? I threw out those two movies. Do you want to do The Color Purple? Yeah, if that's you said that's available now, right? Yeah, it's on Hulu, I think. Yeah, we can do that. It's uh, okay. appropriate for this this day and age yeah it, it's it been really appropriate is. since the year it came out but yes but for what's going on now uh it definitely is um or you know there's a bunch of other options it's it's really hard because we're like i threw on stars started a free trial so that i could watch this and then i'm going through looking i'm just like i don't know there might be a bunch of movies on here that i'd want to cover but it's like we can only do some you know we do one a week yeah. So it's kind of hard to really take advantage of stuff. Sometimes you just got to wait for it to pop up again. Yeah. Which is the thing about Chinatown, because I've seen it on everything. Like it comes, it'll probably be up next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which funny story. I'll go ahead and tell you on here on the, uh, the podcast because it's about a great movie. So I have never seen um, on any streaming service. I've never seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure on there. Like, I've never once seen it. I've seen uh, P Big Top Pee-wee, but not Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So it's, finally... It's huh? on HBO now. Exactly. That yeah. that was the point, Brian. Thank you. I went and bought the movie. 
I ordered it online, got it, watched it, and then not even a week later, it pops up on HBO Max after never seeing it on anything. And I was like, that is some bullshit, but it's fine because it's not a bad movie to own. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's happened to me quite a few times. Definitely. Like, here's that this movie, here's this five dollar movie in the Walmart bin. I've never seen it available anywhere. I'm gonna buy it, and then mm-hmm. ne- the next week it's on Netflix. <laughs> Absolutely, it's the way it always goes. That movie Crawl that I told you about, which is not like anything to write home, you know, write home about, but it was an entertaining movie, and I went and did a free trial on something just so I could watch it, and then. A week, two weeks later, it pops up on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> Why does anybody buy anything? <laughs> well, we'll be back next week. All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.